three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. Um, we have another FaceTime today. John, I can't hear myself in my own headset, so you might want to. Oh, there you go. John there turned my go. mic on, so hopefully yeah. you guys can hear me now. <laughs> um, we have a FaceTime from an incredible guest who's in, I believe, Texas. She is in Texas. Her name's Chanti Myers, and she's with Centurion Military Alliance. Her company does incredible charitable, charitable work for men and women in our armed forces. She's joining us. Thank you so much for being on. I'm not going to butcher what you guys do. I'm going to let you tell the audience what you guys do. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for coming Can on. You, thank you. So, so Centurion Military Alliance, we help train, prepare, and educate our transitioning service members, veterans, spouses, caregivers. Can you guys hear me okay? We can hear you perfect. We can, okay. We can, All right. We can see you now too. Oh, okay. All right. Good. 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 So, so we help train, prepare, and educate our transitioning service members, veterans, spouses, caregivers, and dependents nationwide. We go to major near major military installations to help support through our three pillars of educational attainment, financial literacy, and vocational proficiency. We believe that through these three pillars is where a service member, typically as they're transitioning out, will find their civilian positionality. And so in conjunction with the Department of Defense Transition Assistance Program, we go in and we support and assist and we bring employers, we bring volunteers, educators, we're partnered with the Society of Human Resource Management on a national level and they come out and they share and give their support to assist with resume reviews, mock interviews, and then again, financial literacy and educational goals. That's incredible. And you yourself were in the armed forces, correct? Yes. Yes, I was. I was in the Air Force for 15 years. Wonderful. And is that yeah. where the passion for this kind of came, came to be? It, it did. I grew up as a dependent, so my entire family served in the military. Uh, my mother was security forces in the Air Force. My father served for 26 years. Now he is um, the director for the Department of Veteran Affairs for the city of Houston. And so we all have a passion for our service members. Um, both of my brothers served, my husband, my sister-in-law. And so with all of us having different stories of transitioning out, we, can, we came to found, uh, find this nonprofit in 2011 and officially becoming a 501c3 in 2013. That's, uh, that's incredible. And obviously the passion for you and everybody in your family has driven this incredible charity. Does the rest of your family help work the charity with you? They they do so so my my brother is um, absolutely phenomenal. He designed the logo, which I'm partial to. Uh, so he kind of does the IT, the background work. Uh, everyone has day jobs, so we do do other things. Um, but my father's research, he finished his PhD, and his dissertation was on those three pillars, educational attainment, financial literacy, and vocational proficiency, and the mentoring components that fall in line with that within the military construct. So at any given level in the military, we're mentoring whether we think we are or not in regard to those three pillars. And again, those three pillars are what assist us during our transition. If, if we are aware at any given time of our civilian positionality, it, it's further, it's, it goes beyond being prepared, which in the military, that's kind of one of those buzzwords is preparedness. It goes beyond being prepared and it allows us to understand that as we transition out, it is what it is. Our education speaks to our vocation and our vocation allows us to speak to our finances. I love that. And I think, you know, as obviously a, a civilian who's never served, I think most people don't understand the stressors that somebody who's uh, served has gone under for a sometimes very extended period of time, being away from family, being away from friends. Mm -hmm. And it's great that you guys have, at least as an entire family and you especially, have so much experience with it so that you guys can put together what seems to be a very well thought out plan um, for people coming back from serving. Yes. Yes. So um, it, we, we have workshops that are off base, that are off installation. Uh, but one of our primary focuses has become instructing our multidisciplinary curriculum on installations with the, the military training and education courses. So again, we're going to the, the highest senior level ranking in the military and we're instructing this so that 
as they go to their respective bases, their respective bases, they're now going to be able to share with a service member that thinks they want to transition out, that may make the choice or that has to transition out or is simply retiring and they're saying, hey, what am I going to do? That mentor is going to sit them down and say, okay, what does your education say about your vocation? And again, is your vocation of choice or your vocation of positionality because again, it is what it is. This is your vocation. If your education speaks to it, is that gonna, is that going to allow you to be financially literate within the civilian sector? And and that sometimes is that game changer because we're coming from, in a sense, that financial freedom. If we can balance a checkbook, we're good to go. We're paid on the first and the fifteenth, and then we transition out. And most of us economically free fall twenty to thirty k. Well, you're an incredible role model for everybody transitioning out because you've gone from transitioning for serving for a long time to not just being back into civilian life, but becoming an entrepreneur. And, and, I've, and I know a couple of people that have served who are friends of mine, and they've actually come out and gone into more of an entrepreneur mindset because they, I, I feel like people who've served in the past, there, there's a level of discipline that comes with serving and a level of discipline that comes from being in any of the armed forces. And it transitions so well into being an entrepreneur. And you have to be an incredible role model for these guys because these guys and gals, because you've come out and then you've created a wonderful business. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur or did military service give you the tools that you thought, well, heck, now, now I can be an entrepreneur because I've learned these tools? So initially I wanted to be an entrepreneur, yes, um, because I wanted to go into personal training. And I've, I've been a trainer now for... 18 years. And, and the comical part about that question is we think that as we transition out that we we may be passionate in one area. And, and I've shared my story many times um, with, with the service member population. And they know that I always joke at some point I got tired of telling people to eat chicken and vegetables. <laughs> and so I transitioned out. I opened my own gym. And I realized that that was just one pillar. That was just one part of who I was. And when I found myself opening the doors to a gym at you know, 0, 0430 in the morning and closing the doors at 10 o'clock at night, that, that was not what I was destined to do. Wait a second. But 10 for, o'clock at night is 2200, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good job. Um, another thing that I found was in preparation to run a business that, yes, they'll give you that first loan. Um, as a veteran. And so they'll support the entrepreneurship track. But the part that I want to, what I wanted to grow and, and develop was, okay, how do I speak to that in years to come? And so I had the personal training certification, certifications and licensures, but did I have the education to speak to business? Did I understand the business acumen? Could I develop a proper business plan? And so that led to pursuing a bachelor's in business administration, which further led down the road. And now I'm pursuing a DBA. But the primary point was to prove that I was a lifelong learner. And again, that's why that's one of the pillars of Centurion Military Alliance. I love that. You have come back to uh, civilian life and become really, really busy. I was a personal trainer <laughs> for three, four years way back when. Definitely not one now. Um, do you still run that personal training business while doing all of this? I still have an active personal training Facebook page and I, I get to work out with neighbors when I'm in town and, you know, friends know whenever I'm coming in, I've got kind of got my hot spots, but yes, I, I'm an active, um, CrossFit coach, CrossFit level one and yoga instructor. Good for you. Um, yeah. any advice you could give to, I, I'll, we typically say for entrepreneurs and I'll leave it to you, an entrepreneur or maybe somebody who is a service person coming back and getting into civilian life. I know you've given a lot of tips on that side, but if there's one or mm -hmm. two quick tips that you might be able to give somebody coming back or somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur or both, if you want to give both tips. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. So first and foremost, don't think that as you're transitioning out of the military and you want to start your own business that you're no longer answering to people. So I think that's one of the common misconceptions of I've, I've been answering, you know, the yes sirs, yes ma'ams, and I'm ready to do whatever it is I want to do. I'm ready to pursue my true passion. And what you find in that is, first of all, the customer's are, are your bosses now, right? They're the ones telling you what to do. Every single person who came through that gym was was my, my boss of who I was answering to. And now I'm answering to installations and DOD and the Society of Human Resource Management, employers. You're always going to be answering to somebody. So first, get that out of your head. Second, 
in order to continue a business, like I said, I, I not only had the certification certifications and licensures, but I was pursuing the bachelor's in business. So when I went back for the second year for that business loan, I would be prepared to articulate why I wanted to continue that business. And then now being a transition expert, being a transition coach and, and teaching this curriculum in order for me to stay relevant, I, I finished a, an MPA with an emphasis in government and policy. I pursued my executive level coaching certificate. I've got a SHRM, uh, Society of Human Resource Management certificate, and now I'm pursuing a DBA. And that's not to toot my own horn. That's to say, I'm proving to you I'm a lifelong learner. I'm proving to you the relevancy of what I do as an entrepreneur. And so, you know, recently someone told me, well, I want to open my own gymnastics. This is, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. Do that again, as long as you remain credentialed and you have the certifications and the licensures, because that's good. That is at the end of the day, that is what sets you apart. And that is what makes you different. I love it. Uh, you definitely don't have time to do a lot outside of work, do you? <laughs> outside of work i have a uh, two beautiful children and we run and we play and i just went to the zoo lights this weekend and so we definitely make time for family awesome any plans coming up for the holidays family spending family. time with family i've got i've got my hallmark christmas movie mug and hallmark planned and, and just loving all my babies love it um yeah. and you guys have some events coming up correct our, our first event for the new year will actually be January 17th on Joint Base San Antonio. So we actually, this will be our first event on installation. And for the next coming year in San Antonio, we will host monthly events. So we're very excited about that. Uh, and that, that's the biggest event that we need to share. The rest of them are on our website at cmawarrior.org. And I think John is going to put that up on uh, the video feed, right, John? Awesome. Um, Thank you. Are you ever coming to Chicago in 2019? I don't have it on the radar, but you never know. People tend to say that I'm everywhere, so I might just sneak up on you. Come up in the summer, though. It's too cold here right now. Stay in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate your service, your family service, and everything you're doing um, for the men and women in the armed forces. Uh, you guys are doing incredible work. I think that... Um, people understanding what it takes to go from serving and taking that sacrifice to coming back and being able to just integrate back into civilian life is, is such an important thing. And I'm glad you guys are getting out there doing a ton of social media and educating not just the uh, men and women who are serving, but also the general public in what um, the stressors uh, that people who serve have and what it takes to get them back into civilian life. So thank you for everything you do and thank you for your service. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, if you come into Chicago, let John and I know. We'll have to have you in studio. I will. I will. I will. It sounds like you guys are about to have a lot of fun. So in yeah. studio. We are. I think yeah. we will. Thank you. Have Thank you. Have a great holiday. Thank you. Merry, Bye -bye. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye now. Wow, that was cool. Yeah. She is, she's busy. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, does so much, too. Um, and it's incredible uh, Matt's like Matt's like yeah she was incredible and he's he didn't know if he could talk he just covered his mouth you can talk buddy you're about to go on in a second um, no but what's incredible is you know she lives and embodies what she's trying to get um, men and women who are serving to do when they come home so she really is such a good role model for people who come home and um, have to transition so um, incredible I'm glad we got to have her on and FaceTime was working. You did a good job, John. FaceTime worked well. We we were able to see and hear uh, yeah. all at the same time. So yeah. Amazing technology. Amazing. You, uh, <laughs> you figured it out, buddy. Yep, absolutely. Well, before we get into Matt, because Matt and I could probably talk for hours, he used to just kind of hang out on my couch in law school <laughs> and uh, for weeks on end. I wonder why he came in and laid down. I didn't understand. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> for those that can't see him, he's just laying in the corner right now. <laughs> Usually he falls asleep fast when he lays down, though, so we've got to get him off the ground. But uh -huh. before we do that, let's do our shout-outs so I can get into um, teasing Matt for a bit. Oh, all right. I'll let you go first. You always one-up me. Well, come on now. All right, so uh, shout-outs. Uh, well, I do want to put something up on the screen real fast. It is the Peppermint Bash 2018 is taking place tonight at Point and Feather, and... They were nice enough. They reached out uh, and 
put up a promo code for us. You can get the tickets at peppermintbash2018.eventbrite.com. And if you use the wheelhouse promo code, you get 50% off tickets. Well, that's a big I discount. Know, I know. We, it, it was cool. They, they reached out and um, were nice enough just to do that. And I said I'm you know, so grateful because we do have so many people out and about this time of year doing things. Yeah, I got a lot fun. of friends probably drinking tonight. Exactly. What, uh, what time does it start? I believe the, the Peppermint Bash goes until, well, I believe it starts at 6 and goes until 9. But look it up online because I might be 100% wrong or 100% right. <laughs> or 50% sure. right. You got the start time right and you got the end time wrong. John is somewhere. John may or may not have it right. I may or may not have it right. But you know what? It's, uh, that's why we have the internet. Perfect. Exactly. Well, I wish I could go. I can't. But I know. Both of us not tonight. But Sherry Duffy, when we uh, come, come first quarter, when things calm down a little bit, we've got... I don't want to say too many things at one time. When things calm down, uh, we want to get out to some of your events because they're awesome events. I made it to one this year, and it had a ton of fun. Um, but count on us in, in 2019. And we also, uh, speaking of 2019, as we turn that down, all right, uh, we have, and I know you already know this, but we have a ton of awesome guests coming yeah. up. We've been so lucky kicking this off in April. Yeah. To have phenomenal guests coming in, uh, dropping knowledge. Some brought wine, some brought whiskey, Regine. Uh-huh. But everybody brought knowledge and a lot of laughter. Uh, so what I'm getting at is my main shout out for today is to everybody that was here and uh, our fans. We've actually, we've got people who are. Jeez, who really like one up me there. We tune. everybody. <laughs> people tune in. Right. Um, Send us comments and questions. We get feedback when we're out and about, I know. And uh, we've done, you know, for the first few months, we've, we've been doing okay. But it's all because of the guests. The guests yeah. are awesome. And so that's my shout-out. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. 2019 is going to be awesome. Now, <laughs> You're going to throw it back I'll to me it so to I can't match your <laughs> shout-out? No, I, I agree, though. We, um, uh, it's been an incredible year. I can't wait for 2019. We've been really lucky to have amazing guests, um, a lot of love. Um, it's funny, Johnny was telling me his mom watches our show every, uh, every week, and he was talking to him yesterday, and he's like, you know, my mom watches your show every week. And I'm like, how awesome. Like one of our agents and past guests, yeah. mom tunes in every week. I have friends of mine and people yeah. that love the show. So um, when we set out to do this, we had no idea where it was going to go, but no. it's become pretty cool. Um, I got a shout out to uh, my two attorneys in my law firm who have been busting their butts. Tim's got a pregnant wife. Ali just got engaged and we're working on a huge deal. So shout out to those two guys. I don't like shout outing my own stuff, but those two guys have just been busting their butts so much. So can't say thank you enough. I got to say thank you to you. Hold on. Dun, dun, dun. I don't shop for Christmas gifts (laughs) until literally like, I don't know, December 24th. So you'll have to get something from me next week. But John already got me a Christmas gift, and this is pretty freaking cool. So shout out to you for being an incredible partner all year long and getting me tequila, which is my favorite thing in the world. It's, yeah, it looks really good, that too. Once or, t- once or twice through the, the show, the weeks or months. You've also watched me drink a lot of tequila uh, I on have a couple indeed. occasions. I have partaken. So thank you, buddy. Merry You're very Christmas welcome. to you, too. Um, let me get into our guest because uh, he's, uh, he's a good buddy of mine. And um, him and I will probably have a lot of fun with this because uh, we know way too much about each other. Most of it we probably can't throw up on air. I mean, he's a good guy, so he probably has more dirt on me than I would ever have on him. Um, But he was my best buddy in law school. Uh, We became very close. I copied all of his notes whenever he would allow me to copy his notes, studied for finals with him. Um, We graduated in 2009. He went off, uh, started working at different law firms, and then opened his own law firm, and it's in, the, I think, the last four years um, become one of the most successful estate planning and elder law law firms in Chicago. It's called Margolis Weldon. That's a big introduction. Welcome. Wow. He's wow. trying to swallow yeah. his water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Timing uh, is everything. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for coming on. I'm not sure who copied off of who. You know, it, was, it was probably my repayment for sleeping on your couch for weeks at a time. And- yeah. <laughs> well, you know who copied off of everybody was Nick D'Agostino, if he's listening. He copied off of both of us. Yeah, I think Brian might have done some copying, too. Maybe yeah, Brian, Brian Grill. 
yeah. of, of Grill Law. Yeah, Gr- Brian Grill does watch the show from time to time. I do see him watching sometimes. Um, yeah, his everybody. clients now are like, "Oh shit, really?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got well, to turn the copies. So. Actually, most of my friends who might be my Facebook friends end up being his clients. So that's true. Yeah, there I'm we sure go. Good. I just buried myself and Brian <laughs> all in one clean swoop. Um, well, thanks for coming on. Um, I'll get into kind of estate planning first before I get into elder law. Um, first of all, what made you get into estate planning elder law as an area of law? So what, could, what made me get into it? Uh, I fell into it. Um, you know, when I, when I graduated from law school, thought I had a job lined up, didn't, ended up kind of scraping by, worked for, worked for an attorney downtown, did everything. I was a jack of all trades. And uh, one day I literally went online, looked for jobs on Craigslist. And saw an interesting post, responded, went to the interview. I actually didn't even know what kind of law it was at first. And uh, when I realized it, I actually thought I would hate it. Yeah. Um, Ended up getting the job. Worked there. Worked for a small estate planning and elder law firm for three months and loved it. Um, You know, I I grew up with an older dad. Yeah. My my dad. uh, Shout out to your dad, by the way. What? Shout out to your dad, who's awesome. Shout out to my dad, Marty Margolis, 86 years old and young. Uh, I think he's tuning in with my mom. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah, so I, I think I always had an affinity for helping older people. And uh, um, I think it, I didn't really realize it until I started working at this firm. And that's it. I mean, three, yeah. three months in, this is what I wanted to do. Well, you touched on something. When we got out in 2009, it was like 2009 for people who weren't getting out of any sort of school in 2009. They probably don't realize what a shitty job market it was. I mean, especially for attorneys, because good attorneys were losing their jobs. They were taking entry level jobs. And guys like Matt and I were stuck looking on Craigslist, literally. Well, we were fighting for jobs. We were basically going against attorneys that were two, three, four years out. And we were trying to get the same jobs yeah. for the same pay. Yeah. So who, who are they going to hire, right? The guy right. with three years experience or you and I who are <laughs> copying off each other and skim by somehow <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Marshall. Right. Right. You know what's funny too? We came out of John Marshall on I, can, I guess I can say this. It's probably the lowest tier law school in Chicago. And it doesn't matter once you start practicing. Because no, no, I've, pract- I've beat Harvard law attorneys at trials and hearings and stuff. And it doesn't really matter anymore. But I'll never forget I was uh, at the Daily Center just helping like free law clerk for a judge. And he's like, oh, where do you go to law school? I'm like, ah, oh, just John Marshall. He goes, I went to John Marshall and I'm a judge. So don't knock John Marshall. And I was like, oh, all right. I felt better about John Marshall then. Yeah, I think once you realize a lot of there's a lot of judges and attorneys practicing in the city that yeah. went to school here. Yeah. And even though we look at it as one of the schools that like weren't as good because it wasn't the I don't know, it wasn't Paul or, or Chicago, you know, University of Chicago, Northwestern, whatever, a lot of people respect John Marshall attorneys. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it, it, And at this point it doesn't matter. No, nobody asks me now. No. Could say I go to Harvard and they'd right. probably believe me. Right, exactly. Nah, maybe not that. Yeah, they're like, I don't know. Yeah, they're like, there's no way he made it through Harvard. If they went out with you on, on a weekend, they probably wouldn't believe you. No, no chance. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so you fell into estate planning. Give us some... Now, uh, let me back up. A lot of people, and I talk to a lot of people who are uh, buying homes, is, is where I get to talking to people about wills and trusts and stuff. And I realize that so many people don't even have a will, but they have a lot of assets. And then so many people are like, oh, all I need is a will. They don't even think about getting a trust or talking to somebody about estate planning. They might just say, hey, listen, I just wrote a will or I found it on LegalZoom and I'm leaving everything to you know my dog, James. And they don't actually ever take the steps of estate planning. Do you want to explain to people why estate planning makes a lot of sense? Yeah. So first of all, I'm, I'm surprised you said James as a dog name when you when you have a dog named Maverick. But that's, yeah, that's a side just, note. James um, and Jimmy are my two go-tos for uncles, dogs, got it. family members. Not Uncle Mark. Okay. So, um, What's your name? You know, the re- you know, I like what you said there because the reality is so many people come to my office and what I hear so often is, I just need a simple will. And people don't even know what that means. Right? And, and people say, well, I don't have that much money. So a will is probably all I need. You know, trusts, you know, that, that just seems like that's for really wealthy people. Um, and then I love when they t- uncover what their assets are and it's, you know, 10 times what I have. And I'm like, well, if that's a little, if you only have a little bit, then I've got nothing. But, um, you know, in reality, I mean, obviously this is what I do. So I'm going to say this, everybody needs some sort of plan. Right. Um, I don't care to some extent, right. Over the age of 18, married kids, you should have something. Um, you know, we do powers of attorney for kids that are turning 18, going off to college. 
right? Because people don't, nobody thinks about the idea that their their son or daughter could have alcohol poisoning or something terrible could happen in college, and all of a sudden the parents who are their guardian are really not their guardian anymore for making legal decisions once they turn 18. Crazy. So you've got a situation where you cannot make medical decisions for your child, or you cannot do, you know, sign a contract on their, on their behalf if something were to happen. Um, so people don't think about that, right? And that's something. Whoa, I like, I never small. thought about that. That's pretty that, crazy. That's pretty in a box. Um, you know, the will trust idea. Again, you have people that have this concept that trusts are only for wealthy people, um, and yeah, trusts are great for the Pritzkers. Okay. Um, because they want to avoid paying estate taxes, right? A problem that a lot of us probably won't have, but the estate tax limit's so high. So it's really a matter of just finding the right plan for you, right? I'm saying you, whoever, yeah, whoever yeah. it is. Um, the biggest difference between a will and a trust is going through probate or not. Right. And that's a long process. I mean, probate, it all depends, you know, on average in, in, in Cook County, Lake County, where we do a lot of work, you're probably looking at a year, a year to 14 months on average. Well, I a, was even telling people nine months for a simple case. Right? Interesting. So 12 to 14 months, simple case. Nobody's fighting. You know, you've got kids, grandkids, people come out of the woodwork that want to start putting up a fight. You know, you could be looking at two, three years. Uh, so for those people who don't know what probate is, you want to explain to them what probate is? So yeah, I'm so, not sure it. so probate, I mean, to make it sort of easy, um, probate's the court process where somebody's estate would have to pass through when they die, depending on how they own their assets. Typically, it's when you own assets only in your name. Uh, you know, so a lot of married couples... Get, get by, get away with having no planning, uh, but don't deal with probate because they own a lot of things jointly, right? So my wife and I, for example, let's pretend we did no planning. We've got all of our accounts in joint ownership. We've got our house owned by the two of us. She's the beneficiary. My wife's the beneficiary on my retirement plans and my life insurance. I die other than being you know, horrified by my death and, and, and troubled for the rest of her life and she'll never be able to marry anybody else. I'll set her um, up on another blind date. We'll yeah, get exactly. to that. In a so the Mo, Mo did forget to mention that he set my wife and I up on uh, a blind so, date. Oh, very good. Yeah, I'm two. So for shout two. out to Mo. Two for two on blind dates to marriage. So we could maybe do a little like thousandaire matchmaker show. Like sure, hundred thousand there, like millionaire matchmaker. Yeah. But sure for the common folks. For the common folks, right? Um, but I'll set her up on another blind date when you when you go. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, as long as somebody like me, um, or not. Uh, so, so yeah. So we own everything together. I die. She gets everything, right? Um, beneficiary and all the beneficiary stuff, and she's joint on all the joint stuff. So she just gets, she inherits that by being joint. The problem is when she dies, right? So when she dies, she's got some things that'll have beneficiaries on them, and those will avoid probate, but all the stuff that doesn't have beneficiaries. And a big thing would be the house, right? So plays into your what you do. Um, the big thing is the house. That alone will put her in probate because that's only in her name when she dies. Right. And in right. probate in Illinois, if you get an estate over $100,000, um, you're going through probate. And it's something we have a lot of realtors that listen, and I can actually see the realtors watching. I tell realtors, and I think realtors should be one of the professions that guides their clients to talking to somebody like you on every transaction. Because they obviously don't, they know a little bit about the client's financial situation because they're helping them through a pre approval or getting a mortgage. But you should at least have somebody call. You should at least have your client call you guys, have some sort of free consultation. So you're giving them the added benefit of, hey, I'm going to help you after the transaction closes. I tell our realtors all the time, you've met with a couple of them. You know, you have to sit down and talk to an estate planning attorney, find one that you're comfortable with and get to know them well so that you can refer every single person that buys a house to somebody like you. That sounds great. Yeah, no, I mean, they should. I mean, I actually, to to be honest, I think the Chicago Association of Realtors, and I have somebody watching from the association now, I think, you know, they have a lot of uh, coursework that they teach. This might be something you want to look into doing is getting a course for realtors that might even be like a CLE, and they, they approve a lot of CLEs. That's more for estate planning so that realtors can understand what it really means to estate plan so they can effectively let their clients know what they should be doing and then refer them over to you guys. But that's something we should talk. I thought about that now when I saw who's watching. I won't, I won't call the person out. But um, when I saw who's watching, I thought about that. I said, you know, something the Association of Realtors should do to give education to realtors to understand what you guys do with estate planning. Let's do it. Matt's like, let's do I mean, it. it. Matt's like, it's good I mean, for business. And here's the thing. I think a lot of realtors um, are probably more familiar with the idea of, of land trusts. 
right? And so because a lot of realtors work with title companies, obviously, and Chicago Title Land Trust is yeah the biggest one. Chicago, yeah, right. They just handle all of them. They bought up all the old ones that used to exist with all the small banks around, and people use land trusts, and that's so many people have land trusts in place, and what what clients just don't realize is that, and what people just don't realize in general, when you set up a land trust through a title company, you know, you're paying a hundred bucks a year, give or take, for however many years your house is in that land trust. So you've got a house in a land trust for 20, 30 years, you're paying two, three grand. You could put a full estate plan together for that. And it's going to cover not just your house, but all, the everything you own. Assets. The rest of your assets. All your investments, everything. Um, but somehow that land trust idea just came out and people love it. And It's because people like feeling like, oh, I only paid a hundred bucks up front. You know, it's right. there, it's there, it's the consumers, it's a hundred bucks. They don't care if it's a hundred bucks over a hundred years. You're right. It feels like it's a hundred bucks. It doesn't feel like it's a few thousand dollars. It's That's true. Silly and yeah, stupid, we all the time. Yeah. but um, it is what it is. Um, I'll segue a little bit into elder law because John and I had a show maybe two months ago, time's flying. We, we were discussing elder law a little bit and mm-hmm. um, assisted living facilities and how things are changing. More and more people are getting older. Healthcare is getting more effective in the sense that people stay alive longer. So the elder population is growing, at least the population in comparison to everybody else. So it's an area of law that I think is interesting. And I don't think there's a ton of people who understand it. Well, you guys obviously do. Sure. I don't think there's a ton of, you know, like there's a zillion real estate attorneys like me. Um, but there's not a zillion elder law attorneys like you. Um, what are some parts of elder law that right now are important for people to keep in mind? And then a second thing, and we'll, we can break it up into two segments, but some tips for people who are either getting older, if we have older people watching, or who have loved ones who are getting older that they have to keep in mind to plan for their elder's care. Okay. I mean, I can kind of answer it all once. Yeah, and you, can, you can stop me go, and break I'll, me up if I start I'll drink some water and just chill while Yeah, you, exactly. While just you go. So, I mean, elder law means a lot of different things to different elder law attorneys. Um, I mean, you can look at guardianship work. So, you know, uh, a guardianship is basically when you're looking to go to court and have the court appoint somebody that can make uh, financial and healthcare decisions for a senior, for an individual, not just a senior, for anybody over the age of 18 who can't make their own decisions. Okay, so they've lost capacity. They don't have powers of attorney in place, right? So they didn't they didn't plan, and now they need uh, you know the court to appoint somebody. That's an aspect of elder law. Um, we don't do that in our office. Um, there is Medicaid planning and Medicaid work and veterans benefits. Uh, we do a lot of that in our office. So you know you were talking to Shanti before uh, about all the veterans work she does, which obviously is amazing. Um, you know there are so there's the idea of helping people apply for Medicaid, people that are going to nursing homes. Um, you know, a lot of families look at the Medicaid application. They just don't understand it. Um, they don't realize also that they can apply for Medicaid and still try to protect some assets. Um, so those are type things that elder law attorneys will do. I mean, they're, they're basically looking to see what can we do to help families get benefits and protect some of their assets. I mean, it's not like I've got clients with millions of dollars coming to me saying, hey, how do I screw the government and get on Medicaid? Right. Right. Because people with millions of dollars aren't looking about looking no. at Medicaid. They're not even thinking about it. Right. They have disability insurance. They have private insurance companies. Yeah, They have long term care insurance. Right. That's going right. to cover their their nursing home stay at the at the Ritz. But the majority of people don't. Right. right? The majority of people don't have millions of dollars. They don't have long term care insurance as great as it is. Um, and so they do what elder law attorneys like us, like our colleagues to to help. I mean, to to help try to protect what they can. A lot of people want to protect assets for their spouse who's not in the nursing home. A lot of people want to pass something on to their kids, their grandkids. Um, so, so you've got that aspect. You've got, you know, there's a veteran's benefit that's out there that people, a lot of people don't know about. Um, a veteran or the spouse of a veteran can apply for it if in situations where um, they need care. So if they need, they've got caregivers at home, they've got, they're in assisted living, skilled nursing, they can apply for benefits through the VA. We assist people with that. Other, obviously other elder law attorneys do the same thing. Um, and then it's really just a matter of, you know, when you're in this chapter of life, we'll call it, right? And we'll call it this, this, this later chapter. I don't want to say last chapter, but later chapter in life. There's just a different type of planning that, you, you know, that we need to, to be considerate of. Um, you know, do we have the right documents in place? I mean, do we have updated powers of attorney so that somebody can make decisions for me in the event that I can no longer make my own? I mean, a power of attorney, it's a pretty simple document, but it is so important. And it's my very opinion, impactful. 
I mean, in my opinion, it's more important than a will or a trust. Yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, Illinois has a backup plan for us, right? And they, decide, they can decide what happens with our stuff when we die if we don't do any planning at all. And for a lot of people, it'll end up working out. I'm not, by no means, am I endorsing that as a plan for anybody. <laughs> don't Just use that at that. all. Just let Illinois take care of it. Um, but, you know, there's a default for that. There is no default for, for an individual who's incapacitated and doesn't have a power of attorney for property. You have to go through a guardianship. And when the, and a guardianship, just so you know, and so the viewers know, I mean, you're looking at easily a couple thousand dollars for a guardian to be appointed, and then you're having to go into court every time you want to do something. You want to sell that person's house. Right. You're going into court, and you're getting the judge. You're having to get the judge approve it. Um, you want to make different decisions regarding this person's investments. You want to rent something. You want to move into a nursing home. You want to apply for Medicaid. You're asking for court approval. Yikes. For um, all of it. All of it. Yeah, it's... Um... That's a scary position to be in and probably a very frustrating position then for family members who just like you said, they're dealing with the stressors of somebody not being able to take care of themselves, somebody being very ill. And then, yeah, now you have to go ahead and you have to hire somebody run into court and just the level of stress it it leaves for the people who have to, I mean, for the person who's being taken care of, if they can still understand that they're stressing the family out, but for everybody else. And a lot of times it's a spouse that's also older that's now stressed out. And, and that can drive somebody to illness in and yeah. of itself. Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of spouses that are in situation, you know, we'll call them the healthy spouse, where they end up all of a sudden taking a turn for the worse because they're, yeah. they're you know, they're taking care of their, and I'm just going to use the example that we see more often. You've got the wife. little wife taking care of her husband who's 250 pounds and trying to move him out of a chair, get him out of bed, and all of a sudden she's throwing out her back or she's falling on the ground and breaking a hip. Um, and then I've seen situations where that person passes away before they're the spouse that's, that wasn't doing well. Um, I mean, you've just got people that, you know, obviously spouses want to take care of each other, right? right. Um, Especially if they're still together at that age. And so it's hard for them not to, but, you know, you've got that. I mean, I literally tell clients, I'm like, you are, you need to be a husband or a wife. You can't be a caregiver. Right. Because you're also going to start to resent your spouse. Yeah. Um, and you don't want that. And it's difficult. I mean, I watched my mom take care of my grandma as well as she could until we ended up getting somebody else to come in. When we, when, by the time she had a stroke and she was bedridden, we, we were telling her, I was like, Mom, you can't. Like, this is not something you can do anymore. Somebody who knows what they're doing and does this day-to-day has to. A, because it's destroying you emotionally. Mm-hmm. But B, because it's, you know, it's just draining you and you're now not able to give as effective care as you were six months ago when, when you still had a ton of energy and this was a fresh thing to deal with. And I feel like people feel like, and I, I can equate to this with my, with my own mom, like, oh my God, I love this person so much. I want to be the one to take care of them. And if I don't, I'm, I'm not doing what I should be doing. And it's like, no, you're almost doing a disservice for you and a disservice for that person. So you know, you, it, it sometimes takes somebody like you sitting down and saying, hey, listen, explaining that. Like, you, you eventually, we see this all the time, right. you eventually are going to, you know, really wear yourself down. And then you're not going to be a good caregiver. And the other thing is, you know, I, I was watching, like, again, my mom trying to go through documents and stuff. And as people get older, I mean, you're very tech savvy. I'm tech savvy. John's kind of mid, actually. John's the most <laughs> tech savvy. He's, he's like, screw you. He's like, screw you. I have all this shit in front of me that I'm working tech wise. I was joking about his age, but people, as they get into, you know, their sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, it's difficult for them to go online and print out a Medicaid application, fill it out, know what to do with it, know how to get it back. I mean, that in, in and of itself probably drives them crazy. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's also just the system, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah it's you tough know, you're, dealing, you're dealing with the state. I mean, it's, it's no different, and, and I'd be interested in, in Shanti's opinion, you know, uh, dealing with the VA and, and trying to get veterans benefits. I mean, when you're dealing with governmental agencies, it's, not, it's just not easy. Um, you know, I think a lot of families appreciate us taking that off the plate for them and just not having to deal with it. Because, as you mentioned, I mean, there's so many other things going on in, in, in an older individual's life that the chil- adult children are having to take care of. If the son or daughter can push the Medicaid application onto an elder law attorney to handle that's just one less thing they have to worry about. So it makes sense. Like, I mean, as people get older, both, um, you know, the person getting older and the kids to really start thinking about reaching out to you before it becomes a point where it's an emergency situation to come to you guys, right? Is there, is there like a tip or something you'd give to somebody as they 
And I mean, there's no right or wrong age, yeah, right? I mean, like 40 year old Lawrence Dunning is probably like a 20 year old. By the time I'm 40, I'm going to be like a 70 year old because of just the way I wear my body down. So there's not like a set age I know, but like as people get older and they start to feel like, Hey, this might be something I should do. When should they be coming to you guys for this sort of thing? You know, so the, because the elder law piece deals with so much estate planning as well, right? Because it deals, it deals with wills and trusts and powers of attorney. It's really, it's different. I mean, it, it just depends, right? So everybody should have a plan in place. So, I mean, if somebody's older and they don't have any planning done, then they should rethink that and think about sitting down with somebody um, to do some planning. I mean, if, if an individual's older and they're starting to, there's been some sort of change, they've got a caregiver at home now, they fell, they broke their hip, they're in rehab, hopefully they're okay to come back home and um, just be themselves again. A lot of times it might be something like that that's going to force them to be like, you know what, maybe we should sit down with an attorney. Maybe we should look at our documents. Maybe we, we want to make sure that everything that we have in place is still the right, is still right, yeah. um, or is still good. Unfortunately, with a lot of people, you know, we we work with so many people that just have a life event that takes them that takes takes them by surprise. You know, yep. a sixty year old client that has a stroke out of nowhere. Yeah, that's what happened to my grandma. I stroked, and you you can't plan for that. Nope. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's two things, right? One thing is that one, by one side of the coin is everybody should have a plan in place. The other side is on the elder law piece. It's, you know, as we get older, we just, we need to start thinking if, if the planning that we have in place is the right plan for us still. Yeah. Um, if there's other things to think about, but that's hard to say when you should do that exactly. Yeah. And I think for people listening, um, either live or later on, um, if something does go wrong, I feel like people should know that there is a resource to go to. Because I feel like when something goes wrong, a lot of times people are like, well, what the hell do I do now? And they start to navigate things. And I don't know if the general public knows that there are attorneys that just, this is what you guys do. This is your bread and butter. Because somebody says, hey, I got to buy a house. I'm going to go to a real estate attorney. Hey, I'm going to get divorced. I There's divorce attorneys. Hey, I got a DUI and there's a criminal attorney. Well, mom and dad had a stroke. Mom or dad, unfortunately, just had a stroke. Like there's somebody you can go to immediately that will resolve that. And I think the public should know that that's there. That's a resource. Right. I mean, and you know, a lot of people don't know that elder law attorneys exist. Right. What we do, what we are, you know, who we are. Um, and you've got a lot of people that when an issue arises, a lot of times they're for, the first attorney they go to is their real estate attorney. Yeah. Why? Because if anybody, if, if anybody's, if people have dealt with one attorney in their life, it's probably a real estate attorney. Yeah. Unless they were bad and they saw, you know, they had yeah. a criminal defense attorney at times or they yeah. went through a divorce and that's different. And so it's, you get, I've got so many clients that come to me and they were like, oh, you look at, you know, here's my documents that were prepared. And I'm like, oh, who are these prepared by? And it's, it's always a real estate attorney. They're typically not the right documents. I don't do Because it. it's not what they do on a <laughs> daily basis. True. That's all. That's all it is. I, it's nothing against them. Let the chef you know, do the cooking. The attorney wants to help them out. Um, but even, even the elder law piece, it's not, and this is my opinion, it's not good enough for, for somebody to go see your traditional estate planning attorney for elder right. law issues because they just, that's not what they're dealing with. Right. You know, an estate planning attorney is, is doing wills, trusts, powers of attorney, and that's great. And they're doing that on a daily basis and they're probably fantastic at it. But some of these pieces as it relates to asset protection and Medicaid and other benefits and just different things that we're doing on a daily basis. And I say we, all my colleagues in, in the elder law world, these, your traditional estate planning attorney is not doing. And yeah. it really is a disservice for somebody to go see them. Um, when they've got issues that are bigger than, than what can be solved in that office. And there is a lot on the line when that's happening. And you definitely don't want to goof that up. Do you guys, uh, and I know, I know you used to go into uh, nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Do you guys still do that sort of thing? Like, well, I mean, let's like, let's, no, like, not, like, let's clarify yeah, what, clarify, what, what let you me mean clarify by that. I'm not like I mean going in there like, dropping cards yeah, like, uh, like Saul Goodman. Yeah, he's um, not just like that is not, <laughs> walking and he's dropping a yeah, We're not, we're not calling card. bingo no, either. when you're going and educating no, so, people at those places. Yeah, we, so we still do that. Um, okay. But that's really more from a public public speaking aspect than just like going into nursing homes. I mean, I do tons of public speaking. You know, At least once a month I'm talking somewhere. I talk at the, the YMCA that, that sits right between our two houses once a oh, month on some kind of elder law topic. Invite me. Yeah. Walk over. Um, so some of those talks do happen to be at nursing homes and assisted living yeah. facilities, a lot of times to the adult children of the residents, not so much to the residents because unfortunately in a lot of these places, the residents may not have the capacity to really understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're huge on, you know, and this is my partner and I, my, par my partner, Lauren, um, we're huge on public, on, on educate, on education. Um, yeah. You know, there's just not enough, there's not enough education out there. There's not enough people that attend these talks that get the information. Um, I mean, there's situations where people, 
we're saving thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars for people that are applying for Medicaid. And 99% of the public just doesn't know that that's even an option. Yeah, I've watched you do that for some of our co-clients, clients right. that yeah, we, exactly. we've both worked with. Um, no, I love it. It's uh, Like I said, I know more about elder law now because I know you, obviously, sure. we're friends. But I think even when I got out of law school, it's not even an area of law that having gone through three years of law school, not that I think law school all that teaches you all that much anyways, um, it's not an area of no. law that I was even like, thinking about going into. And I was like you at the beginning. I'm like, I'll be a jack of all trades. I didn't really want to do crim. I didn't really right. want to do divorce. But I was like, just about anything else, I'll do anything else. Right. And I, I think I think that's changing a little bit. So actually, my law partner, Lauren Weldon, um, so she went to Marshall, where we went to school. Yeah. She's the same age as us, but she graduated a couple of years later. But at the time she graduated, at John Marshall actually had an elder law program. And so she graduated with an elder law certificate. Oh, we didn't have that when we no. went. No, no. Back in By all means, we could have. John Marshall could have, and we just wouldn't have known about it because yeah. neither one of us that we wasn't done. on our radar. But um, so John Marshall does have that program now. I think cool. you know, there's other elder, there's other law schools around the country that, that now offer that program. Um, you know, again, like I mentioned, I fell into this area of the law, and yeah. I just happened to love it. You do now start. We're starting to see some younger attorneys, which is great, getting into elder law uh, because it is a an older attorney. You know, it's it's an area of the law that's predominantly filled by older attorneys. Yeah. Um, and a lot of attorneys that are, that are aging out at this point that are starting to retire. Um, but you know, my partner and I have, have, we've got a young practice, you know, we're both 35. We've know another firm where it's, it's two women and they're similar age to us. So it's nice that you've got some younger people, younger attorneys interested in this area because it's such a growing, I mean, it's a huge, it's a growing area. You've got 10,000 people becoming a senior every day. Um, I mean, oh, it's a big fact. John's eyes aging in, up. I think. John, what, what are you, out, a couple years it. away there, buddy? A couple months. A couple months? Yeah, a few months. Um, I'm, I'm going to retire in about 20 minutes, so we're going to have to wrap this up. Um, yeah, you know, it's, um, like you said, it's going to continue to get to be a bigger and bigger problem. Not a problem, but it's going to continue and continue to be a um, something that we're going to have to keep our eyes on more than we used to because the population of elders is growing and I'm glad you guys are a giving education to people and B um, providing resources for people because really like it's, it's our moms, it's our dads, yeah. it's our grandparents. Right. And um, it's an area of law that I think um, hopefully continues to grow. I hope so. Hopefully there's more of you guys, not for your competition's sake, but like, that's okay. There's yeah, enough it's, it's to go around. Yeah. yeah there's, all there's enough old people to go around for you guys. Yeah. Right? Well, they, yeah they do. Um, yeah, we're obviously, got like 15 20 minutes left i want to segue a little bit into um john's looking at me like what i think we started like 10 minutes late yeah we yeah, did. like 15 <laughs> um john's like i don't know what kind of time clock you're looking at dude um i know this because i know you again really well i know you always had that i want to be an entrepreneur mindset i know when we first were in law school we thought about doing a law firm together and stuff and we went kind of separate ways and now we're buddies and refer business and live two blocks from each other. Yeah. Um, but uh, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? What made you, and I probably don't know the answer to this, what made yeah. you always want to be an entrepreneur? Um, so I knew I always wanted to be a lawyer. So I think maybe I want to start there. So I, I, I wanted to be an attorney since I was in Obviously junior high. Me. In junior high, yeah. You wanted to be like a race car driver or... Yeah, like I'm Dr. Fireman. Race Car Driver. Yeah. Still wants to. Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, still wants to. He basically hey, is. Hey, he I is. am. He is. Guys. On, the, on the side. <laughs> yeah. One of his, you know, 10,000 jobs. Um, so in junior high, I knew I wanted to be an attorney. And it was literally based on the fact that I, I had two uncles. They were both lawyers, made lots of money, and, and their wives didn't work. And they were able to take care of their families. And I was like, oh, this seems pretty cool. So I'm like, I want to be a lawyer. That sounds good. And I get to argue and help people. So You're good at that. That's all great. Um you know, and I think then when I, went to, when I went to law school, I think I realized, you know, wow, and, you know, as an attorney, this is something that I could do where I don't, I don't need to work for somebody else, right? This is something where I could easily transition to opening up my own shop and having my own practice, but knowing that I, I'd have to work somewhere first. Um, and so I did. And, you know, I, I think it just at some point, and I think a lot of, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs have this, have this mindset, because I don't think I was truly entrepreneurial, as some are. I think I kind of fell into it. Where, you know, I was working for somebody and I was like, you know, I think I could do this better and I think I can do it my own way. Right. Um, and I want to have my own schedule. And that was it. I mean, literally my law partner and I had a conversation one day 
I told her I was thinking of leaving our firm that we worked at together, starting my own practice, and she said she was thinking about leaving too, and we literally, three months later, we had our law firm. Yeah, you guys are like, I'm out. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where I, if I didn't do it, I know I would have regret it. And I was thinking about doing it a year or two prior to even to even leaving the firm and starting my own practice. Um, I mean, my dad, I can remember a story my dad told me. My dad worked for, uh, was work, worked for a real estate company for years. He worked for Sheldon Gooding Company, huge yeah. you know, auction uh, real estate company in the city. And I, I hope, I'm, hope I'm telling the story correctly because he's listening. Um, I'm pretty sure he, he, was, he was working there and a couple of his, a couple of his buddies left to, to start, a, start their own real estate firm. And, and, he, and they wanted him to come with and he didn't. I think he looked at it as too much of a risk. And they went on to have a pretty successful company, and uh, you know I think I think my dad, you know, yeah, probably looked at that and and probably might have regretted it a little bit. Um, not that my dad didn't do well and have a great life, and and there's nothing that we regret there. But you know I think some things like that kind of stuck in my head. Like you know if you don't just try it, yeah, and get out there and do it, I think at some point you're going to look back and say, what if? Yeah. But I think that's the diff- That's the real difficult part about going and doing your own business is you're taking that whole security away. And, and you did it uh, still in a time where the market was a little bit slow. Yeah, you know, it wasn't sure. like uh, it wasn't like today's market. And you're relatively still a young attorney, so you're going especially so. into a a business where you still kind of look young and you're yeah. going in front of you know, the estate planning's anybody, but you're going in front of people who are a little bit older. And it's a big risk. I mean, you guys are killing it. You guys are doing a great job, and you guys, um, like, I, I know you well, so I know you're doing better and better every single year. Um, but that risk is huge. I feel it all the time. Like, every month, I'm like, shoot, like, nobody's writing me a check. If I don't continue to work, like, I make zero. Like, people right. are like, oh, you're your own boss. That's great. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's great. But, like, our uh, first guest said at the beginning, like, everybody else is also your boss. Like, I answer to everybody at all times. I was sick the other day. I'm like, I still have to go to work. I guess right. I can't dial in and be like, hey, Mo, I'm sick. I'm not coming in today. It's a, it's a big risk. It was huge. I mean, and, and I think that, you know, um, you know, at the time that, that I did it, my wife had just left and she went to a new school. Uh, Shout out teacher. to Christina. Shout out to Christina, who's currently teaching still or maybe just got out. Um, can't they like just live stream us now into those? <laughs> probably. Those She's got like a smart now. board in her room. Her ki- all her kids have iPads. They like have a 3D printer. For really? For real? That's teaching in Winneka. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's in Winneka. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's, and I think, you know, as as people get older, it becomes more difficult because you start talking about, you know, you've got a family, right. you've got kids to support. And I mean, when I did this, we weren't, we didn't have any kids, but, you know, you start thinking, you know, bringing some other factors into the mix. And I think it's really tough. Um, yeah. I don't I mean, uh, You're, I don't have a good answer. Uh, Carrie said dogs don't have fingers that's probably when we're talking about maverick they can't count without fingers and then he said i agree everybody needs a trust plan now and he said that's my brother by the way yeah your brother so for everybody who's (laughs) i said carrie and i'm talking to matt but it's carrie margolis his brother how's the other brother mike mike's good mike's good mike's good cpd cpd yeah we love mike yeah taking care of the streets of uh, englewood he's your little brother but he's always i always like i'm like how's your big brother doing because he's just a big guy I feel like we, when we run into people now, they're like, who's the older one? Yeah. Which I actually like. I'm like, yeah, he, it's like, yeah, I hope he looks older. That's great. Eh, he's almost three years I haven't younger. seen him in a couple of years, but I think you look older. Yeah, he's got a little hair that's starting to fade. Oh, really? He's balding? Hopefully he's not listening. Your yeah, hair's, uh, a little bit. He's going to kick your ass come, yeah, probably. come this week when you guys go home. His yeah. brother's giant. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's about as tall as Matt, but he's, he's like, built like Mo, but my height. Your height. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a good way to yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My favorite iTunes is going to come back to get you on that. Yeah. He's going to be listening. And be like, my favorite hey. thing uh, when Matt used to come, actually, it's my least favorite, when Matt used to come in and into my building and, and stay over law school, my elevators had mirrors, mm-hmm. like literally in the elevator. So every time I got in an elevator with him, he's like a foot taller than me, and I'm just <laughs> sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, 52 floors up, too. I'm like, this sucks. Almost want to look the other way. But um, you touched on one thing, and I want to touch on it before uh, we wrap up. Um, you talked about doing your own schedule and something I was meaning to ask you because I think you're the best at this and I'm notoriously the worst at this. <laughs> you're very good at working your butt off, taking care of all of your clients, but then saying, hey, listen, I got a wife and I got um, you know, a beautiful son. I'm going to go spend time with them and nothing else is going to get in the way. 
Is it something you've always been good at or is it something that you've learned more so because now you have a son and a wife? So um, as much as I don't like to do things like this, I'm going to credit some of this to my my old boss at the law firm I worked for before starting this. So the, you know, the first part of my scheduling is, uh, is sort of like time blocking. Um, and I do certain things on certain days, but you know, the, the bigger picture is, yeah, I mean, I, I literally, you know, as you were referring to, I end every day, I'm, I'm home pr- pretty much no later than four thirty, four forty five on a daily basis Good for you. Um, you You're know, not going to happen today with traffic. Not going to happen today. No, uh, that's okay. Christina's taking Luke to get a haircut. So, you know, they'll keep busy right. for a little bit, but you know, um, my, you know, I feel like we've got so little time with kids and, you know, for, for those that are listening that have young children, um, I'm sure a lot of us have, have talked to other people that have said, you know, we either you grew up with friends whose parents were never around, um, notoriously, I, I hate, I mean, I don't want to be sexist. A lot of times it's the, the dads that were yeah. just not around when the kids were growing up. Um, my dad was always around and that was, that was awesome. And, you know, that's something that I, that I've always thought about and, and how great that was. And he coached my sports teams and all that. And, so when, when Luke was born, my thought was, I want the same thing. You know, I want to be home at a reasonable time. I want to be able to have, you know, a couple hours with him before he goes to bed. Not getting home at 6.30, spending an hour with him, and he's in bed. Um, and Christina, too, obviously. I, I, but I, I will admit, I think the bigger push was Luke. Um, I mean, I never worked crazy hours in my business. But for the most part, you know, Luke and you know, our son came around when I started, around the same time I started this practice. And yeah. so it kind of went hand in hand. And this has been something I've been pretty much unwilling to give up with clients. Um, I tell clients I'm happy to meet them earlier in the morning. Uh, you know, I, I relate what I do to, to, to being like a doctor, right? Yeah. People go see a doctor. A doctor has pretty set hours. Uh, right. Doctor's not going to meet that, that person outside of the hours they give them. It's and true. I, you know, we're attorneys. I think people should respect our time as much as they respect a doctor's time. Hey, everybody listening who bothers me <laughs> at 11 like p.m. That. No, but, but, but I mean... We're going to chop this down. We're going to super sponsor, super boost this portion of this conversation. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I've always joked around that I would tell a client that, would, that, that became really difficult that, you know, said I can only meet at night to say, well, if I wanted, you know, what do you do for work? If I wanted to meet you at night, an hour after you normally leave, would you, would you do that for me? Yeah. And I think a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. And I think people understand when you put it that way. Right. I, and I think you're good at managing that message. I think where I'm bad is I've allowed it to get out of hand and now unwinding something that I've allowed to get out of hand is, is a more difficult thing. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I, th- I think there's, there's pros and cons of both of us, right? Because I think that you are, you kind of market yourself as being a, an ultra accessible mm-hmm. attorney I do, and, and realtor. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, I know you work late hours. I know you talk to people at all times a day and, and that's fantastic. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, but if, I also don't have a wife and kids. I totally. sit at home with my dog, and he's happy to hang out with me right. at whatever time of Right. I mean, day. I'd argue that if you had a wife and kid, you probably wouldn't for that much longer no, if you no. kept the same schedule that you kept yeah. now. Um, so I, I think it's just where we're at in life. We're able to manage our schedules in the ways that work. Um, you know. you're, you're also good at just getting stuff done really fast when you're doing it. I remember this in law school. Like, If you have a task at hand, you're not like – kind of on your phone, kind of looking at something else. You're like, you get your shit done, and then I think you go on to the next task. Well, I've always been that way. Like Growing up in high school and college, my big thing was like, get the work done so I can go screw around. Yeah. Right? So if I've got stuff i got to get done, let me get it all done so that, you know, in high school or college, it was like, so we can go out and party. Now it's get it all done so I can be home early and, and, and play with Luke and see Christina. Yeah. Or go out and have some beers, whatever it might be, but... Where do you go out and get beers out in Northbrook? Typically in my basement. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know what the nice thing is? I can come over and drink beer at your house and walk home. So I don't have to take an Uber. Yeah. Ah, it's cold. I'd still Uber right now. I don't know. It's pretty close. Yeah, you, could ride your, you could ride your bike. <laughs> Drunk and ride my bike home. I guess that's a DUI, isn't it? I, I don't know. I'm it not is. a crime attorney. It is? Yeah, it is. Holy smokes. Do I thought it has to be a motorized vehicle, right? No. No, I think it's like, no, it doesn't. I know. I don't know the actual rule, but somebody yeah. told me. Somebody oh, told okay. me. It wasn't me. Let's not, not, not yeah, I'm, I, Zero. I haven't rode my bike in five years. Yeah. I'm doing triathlon in six months, but so I, ride a bike. I'll have to learn how to ride my bike again. Right. Take the training wheels off. Um, we're almost out of time, and John's probably looking at me like, uh, yeah, we are. What are you guys doing for the holidays? We're sticking around here. Uh, we are hosting Christmas Eve for the first time, our first time ever hosting a holiday. Nice. 
it'll just be my parents and my brother. Um, Are you cooking? Because he's a good cook. I'm cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some mean scallop dish. I was going to say. You going to do it? Nice. That's it. Although I think I made a better scallop dish for Christina with some mushroom risotto. Don't, don't, two don't years believe later. it. Yeah, sorry. Don't believe um, it. He made me a scallop dish before uh, law school uh, before law school finals once, John. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of the best scallop dishes I've ever had. So I always tease him, like, make it again. It's been nearly a decade now since we got out of law school. Yeah. Which is scary. And Mo shaved my head into a mohawk, so it was a pretty fair Oh, trade. my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, how do, what was Why? that bad? Why and that was right around the holidays, too. Actually, that was probably around the same time of year. Wait, wow. Because <laughs> I remember going to, going to church, and my mom was, like, really pissed off. Like, Yeah, better, sorry. Better... Sorry, Mrs. Margolis. Yes. Wait, why did we do that again? I don't know. I, I don't remember. And then I remember we had to go grab food from Lucky Strike, and you were in a hat because you, yes. you look like an idiot with a mohawk. Yes. Like, almost nobody can pull off a mohawk, but no. Matt really looked like yeah, an idiot no. with a mohawk. Right. So you put no. a hat on, they're like, sir, you can't wear a hat in here. And he's like, guys, like, yeah, I need to wear a hat. They're yeah. like, well, you did that to yourself. And he's right. like, well, why did you do that did. to him? What, what? We had a bet or something. Mm, wasn't a bet. Oh, no. I, was, I, I literally probably said, hey, let's just do this. Yeah. It was probably like on a whim. We were probably studying for 12 hours. And I was like, just, let's just try a mohawk. I didn't hold him down, John, no, and shave his head. <laughs> right. All right. All right. He just, he had a dumb idea. And you went with it. Oh, yeah, cool. listen. Yeah. Like, if your friend says, hey, shave my head into a mohawk, you're like, you goddamn right, I'm going to shave your head. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to ask you twice. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to give you time to change right. your mind. Right. So he let me shave his head into a mohawk, and then he cooked me a really good scalp dinner. Yeah. Maybe so not, that, maybe not much, in that order. But then I introduced him to his wife. Yes. So I uh, paid him back for that. So you can right. shave another awesome. mohawk at some point. De- deal. Oh, Later we'll in life, there. and then I'll shave my head. You got you got clippers here? Yeah, I was going to say, we nope. can do this online. Yeah, we'll do it right now. <laughs> not today. We got scissors. We'll just cut it. Yeah, that'd, that'd probably work. That would be a good one. We bring Matt back in here. We shave his head. Maybe we shave his head for charity, for charity. or something. Sure. Ooh. Oh, uh, St. Baldrick's. St. Baldrick's. Baldrick's. Yeah, my wife's yep. school does that every year. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So how does that work? You just shave your head and it's for charity? Yeah. People donate money? Yeah, I don't exactly know exactly My hair grows back so damn fast. You could shave it next year. Your hair's so short. You could shave your head. It wouldn't matter. No, I have a stoop. I did it one time I have in high a bad, school. I, have a ba- I know you have a I have bad, a bad head, head for it. You have a big head. I kind <laughs> yeah. of have a weirdly shaped too. too. It's, a, it's an odd shape. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, I don't look good with no. a bald head. No. I, luckily, I don't think you or I are going to ever bald. John's not going to bald either. No. You have no, no hair pretty at good. this point. No. But, uh, but yeah, other than that, we're, we're sticking around for the holidays. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> Just to get you back. Yeah, <laughs> our buddy Sean said, don't ruin the turkey. Uh, inside joke, he ruined the turkey on his Thanksgiving, Sultani. Oh, um, and oh. he was in a lot of trouble. John knows the story. I know yes, the story. I'll tell you off air. Yeah, well, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, ruined the holiday. <laughs> it was it was really bad. He ruined the holiday. <laughs> but what he basically said is, like, see, now I never have to invite anybody over again because I'm bad at this, and nobody yeah, will ever come true. over for the holidays. You do it once, you mess it up. Nobody asks you to do it again. That's, you're all set. That's yeah. that was his thing. I'm actually doing the green egg turkey for my family. They're coming Ooh, over that Christmas good. Day, so it's an ordeal because I have to get it. The day before, I have to brine it to get the egg ready. I can't believe you don't. I'm have sure I'll one. see it on, uh, on, fa- on Instagram. On Instagram, yes. you'll show me the step by step. Yeah, step by step. I've Instagram seen a few story. of those already. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think this. I do want to smoke some some meats. I was talking to a client recently about it. Uh, who's got a Who's got a pretty heavy duty smoker? And I think I'd like to do that. There's a place in Wilmette, actually, the Backyard Barbecue Shop, and oh, it's, it's it. amazing. You should uh, you should give that place a uh, a look. Yeah. Even if you don't get a smoker, they have everything. This place, John, has literally anything. If you're cooking outdoors, they have every rub. They have every um, like marinade. They have like all the stuff that's like you can't find in stores. And really, it's really really just awesome. Just the store. Yeah, well, specialty barbecue yeah, stores. Right. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> Um, anyways, um, thanks for coming on yeah, thanks for, um, for everybody watching. Um, give Matt a shout. If you have any estate planning, if you have any elder law issues, I've trusted him not only with my clients, I've trusted him with my family members. Um, I'm an attorney and I know probably more about general ideas of estate planning and elder law than the average person. I would never, ever, ever think of doing my own family's work. I would never ever think of doing my own work because it really is a special part of law. And if you don't know what you're doing and for the other attorneys who do do this and try to pretend like they're experts at it, you should probably stop and refer it out because (laughs) you're really, you're messing around with a pretty important part of people's lives and you shouldn't do that. I think it's negligent. I think it's almost malpractice in my opinion. I think so too. Um, so reach out to these guys at Margolis Weldon. Give Matt a buzz. Try to not make it at 9 p.m. because he's good at managing his time. He'll call you at 4 a.m. if you do that to him at 9 p.m. There you go. Um, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. 
We're not going to be on next week. We'll be back on January 2nd. Uh, right now we have one confirmed guest. Can you want me to shout him out? Yeah. Well, Jordan yeah, Pyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got good old Jordan Powell from Keller Williams. He's also the vice chair of the YPN board uh, this year. He's a kick butt guy. I can't wait to chat with Jordan. He's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, have a great Christmas holiday, New Year. We'll see you guys January 2nd, like John said at the top of the show. Thank you guys so much for everything, uh, for the love, the shares, um, just telling us that you like the show and watching it. We didn't know where this was going to go. We have a website that's going to launch first week of January too. Yep. Um, share it. We're on iTunes, on Spotify, we're on YouTube. Where else are we? Uh, Google Play. Google Play. Stitcher. Stitcher. I always forget that one. Yeah. Uh, still working on, on iHeart. But I uh, Radio. by January, we'll be on iHeart Radio. I keep, I actually, I told Sean. Sean's like, well, I want to listen to you guys sometimes. I'm like, I'm going to be on iHeart Radio soon. He's like, oh, that sounds fancy. <laughs> so, We're fancy here at Wallace. Real fancy. But um, <laughs> thanks again, guys. It really means a lot to John and I. We'll see you guys January 2nd. Thanks to Matt. Uh, for coming in studio today. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. In three, two, one.